0: They are rage, brutal, without mercy. But you, you will be worse. Rip and tear until it is done. Yikes, so uh looks like we're talking Doom this week on the Upper Memory Block Podcast. So what shall it be? Do you join the U? Right here. Joy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number ninety-three of the Upper Memory Block podcast. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm back with you finally once again uh, to talk about a game, sort of from the Dawson-free Windows XP gaming era. So, holy crap, guys! It's been a really long time since I put out uh, put out a show at all, and and put a really really long time since I put out a real show. Uh, summer's been crazy, and uh, you know with the the announcement of uh of the incoming um baby uh two episodes ago uh yeah life's been uh, pretty hectic uh you know i guess we're just kind of getting our, our our stuff together and uh and having a little bit of uh adult fun not and not in the way you're all thinking especially you trolls uh before um you know before she comes and uh yeah so you know since i, I last spoke to you guys i was out on a on a big uh big business trip out to seattle and uh that's where <laughs> thanks to brian and bianca for for getting on the getting on skype with me and, and recording me from the airport uh talking about the warcraft movie that was tons and tons of fun and uh hope we get to do that more uh stuff like that kind of uh off the cuff sort of things like that and uh you know aside from that uh since uh since i last spoke to you guys uh fran and i went on uh, on a cool vacation to new york city where we uh, you know wandered around and did a bunch of stuff and, and saw a bunch of neighborhoods and did you know all the ate pizza and did all the all the New York stuff that uh, that people tend to do, and uh, most importantly, uh, we got to meet up with uh, with Francisco Gonzalez, Francisco from uh, from the the uh, I want to say Square Waves. He's not from Square Waves. From the Blue Cup Tools podcast. Uh, you know, designer for Wajidai Games, creator of the Ben Jordan series and uh, Shardlight and, uh, and a bunch of other stuff and uh, got to hang out with him, have some great pizza and talk about a whole bunch of stuff uh, <laughs> that really didn't have to do with video games, which is really great. He's, uh, he's a really cool, well-rounded guy and he could talk about, you know, all kinds of different things. And we had a, a great chat and we wandered around uh, Dumbo in Brooklyn and, you uh, just a really, really, really wonderful, uh, wonderful meeting, and I hope to, uh, to get back down there and hang out with him again, and uh, and all that. So yeah, New York was was really awesome, and also in the intervening time, uh, and this fact will will come up to some degree in uh, in the actual episode. But uh, I've actually also built from the ground up a a new uh, a new gaming rig. So my uh, my original machine, my original machine, the, the my quote unquote current gaming rig uh, is vintage 2009 so you know it's an if you want to get technical that the old machine is an i7 860 uh, i think it's two 2.3 2.4 gigahertz something like that and um you know it was uh, it was getting a little pokey so yeah the, the processor was getting pokey uh, eight gigs of ddr3 my uh, nvidia gtx 670 500 gig spinning disc and uh you know, it was doing the job, but it was starting to get slow. And, uh, as I said, with the incoming baby, I realized that I will eventually have, uh, or very soon have, have less disposable income. So I thought I'd get this out of the way. So the new rig is, uh, is, is, is really nice. Beautiful. It's pretty much up and running a hundred percent. Uh, now it's all sitting inside an NZXT H440 white case with a nice window on the side and white LEDs lighting it, uh, lighting the, uh, the logo in the back, uh, there's a Z170S Sabertooth uh, motherboard. It's an Asus, Asus, whatever you want to call it. And uh, i7-6700K at running at 4 gigahertz, un- un-overclocked. If I overclock, I'm going to try overclocking it a little bit later. Uh, 16 gigs of DDR4 uh 250 gig Samsung Evo 850 solid state system drive uh 2 terabyte Western Digital Black kind of spinning disk data drive for games and all that other miscellaneous stuff and of course the uh you know the crowning achievement a uh an Asus Strix ROG uh GeForce 1070 which uh, which blows everything away. It's friggin' amazing. There's lights on it and all that. So yeah, the machine's up and running. It's friggin' great. Uh, spent you know a good weekend kind of putting it together. And uh, if you've been following me on Twitter and uh, maybe on the Facebook group too, I had a little bit of uh, a couple of issues because I had temporarily moved my old graphics card into it. And uh, there's some kind of compatibility issue I think with the newer UEFI uh, BIOS and uh, older. At least 600 series NVIDIA cards where uh, the card would just kind of randomly cause Windows, uh, the Windows video drivers to reset. And so that was causing me a bit of issues. I'm like, oh, I put this whole machine together and it's not running properly. But, uh, you know, I've, I switched out to the new card, put the old card back in the old machine, and uh, everything's running well, everything's great, and and the new machine... Is awesome so yeah that's uh sort of uh sort of the, the catch-up uh baby update uh, fran is doing well all is well baby is healthy and uh we're looking forward to seeing her in october okay so enough of that sorry guys uh but you know we're all friends here uh let's get to uh one email before we get into uh into our main topic and uh this one is from henry and henry writes hello joe I just wanted to write in and say thanks for all the hard work. I stumbled on the podcast about six months ago when I was looking for original Moo reviewers, and I've since made my way through much of the archives. In fact, I saved them for my commutes and road trips. Uh, Needless to say, my Steam and GOG libraries have really started to fill up. I didn't get a chance to write in for the Dot episode, but I remember the game quite vividly as it was the first my cousin and I shared, quote-unquote, between the two of us. I remember the floppies and endless tinkering with my Sound Blaster settings, and I will admit uh, the delight of realizing I could nuke the hamster uh, that has uh, stuck in my mind. I have fond, fond memories of solving the puzzles in the game, and I'm so grateful that uh, the remaster happened. Thanks for covering it and all the hard work, and congrats on the UM baby. Uh, Continued success to you, and thanks, uh, Kravik, aka Henry. Well, thank you, Henry, and uh, thanks for the congrats. Uh yeah you know'm I'm, I'm not gonna lie I definitely have a bit of experience uh sharing games uh, I had uh, one of my friends Dan who uh, who had uh he had a pretty wicked uh, 386 back in the day he had uh, you know one I think I've mentioned it before on the show uh, he had one of those uh, cartridge loading a 386 with a cartridge loading cd-ROm and he's the guy. That uh, you know had Wing Commander, and that his his computer was the first place I ever saw Wing Commander, and I was amazed, and and you know didn't think that a computer could look that way. He had Larry Five, and uh, suffice it to say that the copy of Wing Commander I first played was his copy. Uh, the first copy of Larry Five I played was his copy, uh, and you know that only started more and more trading of games and downloading games off of BBSs in like a million different little ARGE files that we could put onto a pile of discs and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm sort of over that now. Uh, I've been over, over pirating for a long time, you know, maybe a combination of, uh, you know, I got a job and uh, started making a bit of money on my own. And, um, you know, also games have just gotten more approachable, cheaper, easier to get. And also to be perfectly honest, uh, I'm a software developer by day and, uh, it sort of rubs me the wrong way to, uh, to be, basically stealing software uh when my job during the day is to make software so uh yeah not really fair but uh (laughs) you know back in the day totally i was all about all about sharing Uh, i did buy dot though so uh great thanks for that keep listening keep writing in and i'm glad you found the show you're listening to the upper memory block podcast time for over all right, so this is one of my specials, extended memory editions of the show. So we are doing something we've done a few times before. Uh, we are covering a very modern game, very bleeding edge modern game, uh, which does have roots uh, back to the time I usually focus on uh, here on UMB. Uh, I've covered newer iterations of Hallmark's game, Hallmark games, sort of like, uh, like XCOM, SimCity, and you know, those, those are all well and good, but this time around we've got a new iteration of probably one of the biggest and one of the most well-known PC games of all time, Doom. Yep, so back on May 13th, 2016, uh, the fourth installment of the Doom series launched. Uh, This new iteration of Doom continues to be developed by the team at id Software, and unlike previous games, at least I think unlike previous games, uh, this entry is published by our friends at Bethesda. Yes, that is accurate. Alright, so I probably don't need to tell you what genre Doom is, but uh, it's what I do, so let's do it. So, Doom is, of course, a first-person shooter. In fact, I dare say that the Doom series is the first thing that most people think of when you say the words first-person shooter. Uh, The original Doom may not have been the first FPS. In fact, it was not the first FPS. I've covered that on this show many times. But it's definitely, in my mind, the game that brought the first-person shooter into the mainstream, where it remains even to this day. So, in a first-person shooter, you are generally placed in control of a single protagonist. Uh, You view the world as if you're placed into that protagonist's body, uh, that is, from their first-person view. Now, your goal is usually some variation of uh, get from one end of the map to the other. In your way, stand veritable hordes of enemies, all of which are hell-bent, no pun intended, actually pun intended, on killing you. Uh, To defend yourself, you are generally equipped with a fairly standard array of projectile weapons, uh, depending on the setting of the game. These weapons can be contemporary, like pistols, shotguns, assault rifles, rocket launchers, and all that. Or they can take a more sci-fi angle with things like plasma guns and laser pistols. Uh, If we're back in the old days, bows, crossbows, muskets. And, uh, you know, maybe we could even dip over into the fantasy realm with various forms of magic, steampunk-style weapons, and much more. Suffice it to say that no matter the setting, FPS developers will find something for you to shoot. Now, while many people say a good offense is the best defense... Uh, you are also usually equipped with some form of health meter along with power-ups that can be picked up uh, both to restore and even to enhance your maximum health. Uh, Some FPS games also offer armor, which is used to absorb some incoming damage as well. So basically, in an FPS, uh, you make your way from level to level or objective to objective, killing pretty much everything in your path. Uh, Some games are more focused on pure carnage, others offer more opportunities for stealth, and yet others even offer dialogue options to bypass fighting, altogether. Anyways, eventually all the fighting is done. The bosses are killed and the final battle is won. Uh, enough generalities. Let's talk doom. Okay. So let's talk story. You heard the first little teaser of, uh, of the game, uh, right at the beginning there. So, uh, that sort of sets the tone for things. This is a, uh, Pretty dark, pretty demonic sort of game. Uh, We'll get into details about the development of Doom, obviously, later. But this game is very explicitly not called Doom 4. And that is for a reason. Uh, It did start off life as Doom 4, but eventually went from being a sequel to being sort of a reboot of the original game. So, well, the original Doom did have some minor semblance of a story, uh, that story was pretty much, uh, not reflected in any way, shape, or form in, uh, the gameplay. You got a little bit of text at the beginning and the end of each episode, there was some stuff in the manual, but, um, you know, there was no real narrative. Now, by the time Doom 3 came around, and you can hear about all this in great detail if you go back to, uh, the the original Doom episode that I did a while back, um, you know, by the time Doom 3 came around, tables had turned completely, uh, where the first game was basically a mind to shoot up uh, with pretty much no nods to the world around it. Doom 3 went for the full narrative horror style. Uh, the new Doom is, uh, I want to say, sort of a hybrid of those two extreme approaches. It's got more story than the first two Doom games. But it definitely doesn't bog you down in in narrative and survival horror tropes like Doom 3 does. Probably closer to the originals than it is to Doom 3, uh, but there's definitely a bit more narrative uh, inside each level. So where does that leave us? Well, the story goes like this. Uh, We find ourselves on Mars, of course, uh, in a research facility owned by the Union Aerospace Corporation, uh, also known as the UAC. Now, this research facility is attempting to harness the energies of hell... Through the use of a large structure known as the Argent Tower. Now, not only does the Argent Tower allow energies of Hell to be siphoned off, it also travels to and from, or it also allows travel to and from the Nether Realm. So, so you can siphon off the energies of Hell, but you can also go there for a visit. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, the facilities director Samuel Hayden has uh, already led some excursions into Hell, uh, and he's brought back demons and artifacts and things for study. And, uh, one of these things that he's brought back is a sarcophagus which imprisons the Doom Slayer, and it turns out, hey, that's you. Turns out that the demons have imprisoned you after your initial rampage through hell in, uh, I, they say it's a reboot, but this seems to imply that, uh, you know, your initial rampage through hell in the first game resulted in you being, uh, imprisoned in the sarcophagus. So, uh, hey, who knows? Like we said, story doesn't need to make a ton of sense. This is Doom. Um, uh, anyways, uh, as it tends to be when scientists try to study hell or other dimensions, things go awry. Hey, doom, half-life, etc., cetera, et cetera, et cetera, It's all happened before. Uh, one of the facility's senior scientists, Olivia Pierce, seems to have made um, a small pact with the demons of hell. That's, that's pretty good. Deal with the devil. And uh, she has opened a portal for them to come through uh, from their world into ours. So uh, in a desperate effort, uh, Hayden releases you from your sarcophagus in the hopes that you'll work with him to stem the tide of demonic invasion and uh, allow him to regain control of the facility and its precious Argent power generation capabilities. Cannot determine the cause of the demonic invasion until the res satellite is brought back online. Welcome. I'm Dr. Samuel Hayden. I'm the head of this facility. I think we can work together and resolve this problem in a way that benefits us both. <laughs> and that smash you hear at the end is uh, you smashing the little uh, computer terminal that Hayden's talking to you through. You're, uh, you don't have a lot of personality in this game, but you're a pretty violent guy. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so you're gonna help help out Doctor Pe- Doctor Hayden here, and uh, to do this, you'll have to chase down Olivia Pierce and figure out what it is she's trying to do. Uh, no one really seems like they're particularly good in this game. Everyone's kind of sort of creepy and seems to have an agenda and motives. So it's hard to tell if what you're doing is helping or hindering things. And uh, you know, you're kind of a jerk yourself. So uh, yeah, just play the role. cannot be allowed to leave this place. You will <laughs> everything. I'm willing to take full responsibility for the horrible events of the last 24 hours, but you must understand. Our interest in their world was purely for the betterment of mankind. Everything has clearly gotten out of hand. bad so yeah the these these kind of audio the three audio clips i've played so far are sort of like the first mission slash interactive tutorial slash intro so you know at the end of this you get into an elevator and uh you enter what i like to call the game proper All right, so let's talk gameplay. So as I said, you get out of the elevator, and this is where the real single-player game begins. Now, I could do my regular play-by-play of the first few minutes of gameplay here, but honestly, that doesn't do the kinetic nature of this game any justice. Doom is a game that is personified by three words. Fast-paced combat in original doom and all of its sequels the point of the game was to run in guns blazing however the game design did allow you to play your doom guy a bit more cautiously if you really wanted to Uh, you could snipe at demons from a distance fire rockets from across the room and retreat to areas where your new health packs were Uh, this wasn't really the intended way to play but it did work now in doom 2016 if you try to play the doom slayer cautiously you will end up nowhere fast The level design and the mechanics of combat basically require you to take the fight to the enemy uh, with uh, basically what the id game designers refer to as push-forward combat. So what does push-forward combat mean exactly? Well, let's take a look at some other modern first-person shooters. Uh, For example, I play a lot of Destiny, and uh, it uses a mechanic that I think was introduced back in probably the original Halo uh, on the original Xbox. Basically... Uh, You know, you're fighting and stuff, and if you get the opportunity, uh, if you start taking damage and you get the opportunity to temporarily escape and hide behind a rock or something, uh, you know, your health or your shields or whatever other measure of hit points you have will eventually refill. So basically you stop taking damage, certain amount of time passes, and boom, your health is refilled again. So that encourages players to run off and hide behind cover if, if they feel like they've gotten in too deep. Now, Doom does the opposite of this. Sure, I mean, there's health packs and ammo strewn around the map. However, the best way to refill your health and to refill your ammo is just to kill. To kill, kill, kill. On death, enemies have a pretty good chance of dropping health packs or ammunition. So if you're running low, your best bet is to jump into the fray and quickly take down as many weak enemies as possible to refill uh, all your, uh, your consumables. So what this does is encourage you to be really aggressive. Hiding won't help you if you're down at 5% health. Killing will. And this took a, a minute or two for me to figure out, kind of like get used to, because I'm usually a very cautious kind of player. You know, in Destiny, I'm a sniper rifle guy. I like hanging back. And wow, I like playing, you know, a, a hunter or uh, I've got a shadow priest. So again, you hang back, range DPS, uh, staying out of the way of the enemy. You cannot play Doom this way. Now, on top of this, uh, the designers at id introduced another concept, the glory kill. Now, a glory kill is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. Uh, if you damage an enemy enough, you basically stagger them, and, uh, and they'll start to glow blue. This indicates that they are ripe for a glory kill. So you move into melee range, and you hit F on your keyboard, and what follows is a very Doom-appropriate shot of you basically performing a fatality on your enemy uh, the exact form of the glory kill depends on which type of enemy you're dealing with uh, and they generally involve something to the effect of uh, you crushing a demon's head with your armored gauntlet tearing off an arm and beating the target demon with it disemboweling cracking them in half or some other pretty fun pretty bloody pretty well animated sequence like that so aside from killing your enemy and providing you with uh, some much-needed catharsis, because damn, it feels pretty good. Uh, glory kills are a big part of push-forward combat. A glory kill always results in the slain demon dropping health. That is a 100% chance. So I can't count how many times I was running around in a fight with 5 or 10% health trying to seek out glory kills. So... That's how the combat works. Uh, You need something to fight with. And what's Doom without weapons? The single-player game provides us with a total of 10 weapons, 8 of which are normal, and 2 of which are referred to as limited use. Uh, Pretty much all these weapons will be familiar to us from previous Doom games. However, there is a twist here. In other games, weapons were weapons. Doom 2016 introduces the concept of weapons mods and weapons upgrades. Uh, all eight of the normal-use weapons have at least one mod, and uh, all but two of them have two. Much like weapons, mods are discovered throughout the game. You find these little uh, hover-bot things that uh, that carry them, kind of strewn throughout, and uh, once you discover them, they're there, they are yours forever. Uh, once you find multiple mods for a single weapon, you can swap them out on the fly, by hitting R, and there's a cool animation of you basically taking the old mod out and pretty violently slapping the other mod in. Everything you do in this game is violent. Don't ask me why. <laughs> so some weapons, uh, most weapons in fact, also have upgrades. So as you progress through the game and uh, complete certain challenges, you'll be awarded with weapon upgrade points. Uh, you can put these points into various upgrades that will make your mods more effective. Uh, let's go into details on, uh, on each of the weapons, because again, I kind of feel like the weapons are the main point of playing this name. So first, we've got the venerable old pistol. Uh, much like in other games, you start off your adventure with this as your one and only weapon. It's pretty weak, and to be honest, I only really found myself using it when I ran out of ammo on other weapons. Uh, one advantage the pistol has is that uh, it has unlimited ammunition, so you're free to go nuts with it. Uh, The pistol only has a single mod, Charged Shot. Uh, This causes the pistol to charge up and fire a more damaging burst. So it's not really like a bullet pistol. It's more of an energy pistol, I guess. Next, we have the mainstay of any Doom game, the good old shotgun. Uh, Great at close range, I found myself using this as my main weapon for most encounters. Uh, The shotgun has two mods. Uh, We have Charged Shot which fires a quick three-round burst, and Explosive Shot, which charges up and fires an arcing explosive round. Uh, points can be spent to decrease recharge time or loading time, increase damage in various ways, and uh, putting points into lower-level upgrades unlocks a top-level weapon mastery, uh, sort of a, uh, a weapon ultimate, if you will. So next up from uh, the regular shotgun is our mainstay from Doom 2, the Super Shotgun. This is a more powerful double-barreled shotgun. Uh, you, you know, you kind of know what it is. Uh, there's no mods for the super shotgun, uh, just upgrades uh, to the base weapon for decreased reload time, shot penetration, and increased ammo capacity between reloads. Actually, I just said reloads, and that, that that's something we need to talk about. Uh, at least we have to talk about it because I found it a little bit jarring at first. Almost all modern FPS games today feature the concept of reloading. That is, you can carry more ammunition than your weapon can hold. Uh, Not Doom, though. Sticking to its roots, there's no real concept of hitting a reload button to reload your weapon. Uh, You have full access to all your ammunition at all times. Some weapons, such as the super shotgun, the rocket launcher, things like that, uh, do have sort of a time delay between shots which uh, is indicated by a reloading animation but there is no requirement to actually ever trigger a reload of your gun initially I found this like I said disconcerting because I'm used to playing you know halo destiny division I mean any call of duty you know any any shooter you can think of that's even a little bit realistic and e- even a little bit you know built in the year after the year 2000 you have the concept of reloading. So, you, know, you fire off a shot, hit reload, you can reload your whole gun, and uh, Doom doesn't need that. Well, it was a little bit weird to start, uh, it really does, again, help with the fast-paced nature of the game. You're not gonna be in the middle of a fight and, uh, you know, run out of ammo and hide behind a thing to reload. You just shoot, 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 run out of ammo in one gun. You switch to another gun. There's some talents to uh, decrease weapon switching time. And you really get this frenetic kind of action that just keeps on rolling. So next up, uh, I guess we were, what we talk about here, the super shotgun. And so next up we have uh, the heavy assault rifle. Sorry, I went off on a little tangent there. Uh, so the heavy assault rifle, which... Guess is equivalent to a chain gun. Was there a chain gun in Doom, or was that a Wolf 3D thing? I remember it from Wolf 3D. I don't know if I ever remember a chain gun from Doom. But uh, anyway, uh, the assault rifle can be fitted with a tactical scope, which is handy for engaging demons at range. It's also nice to see, you know, farther down the map if something's coming up. Uh, the tactical scope can be upgraded for increased bullet penetration, well zoomed, headshot damage increase, well zoomed, and also increased rate of movement when zoomed. Uh, at the top end uh special heavy damage rounds can be fired out of uh through out of the the assault rifle through the scope on the other side of the coin the assault rifle can also fire micro missiles so who cares about precision let's just blow shit up uh, <laughs> these can be upgraded for uh for less ammo cost faster reload instant activation and uh, ultimately it's possible to upgrade out of reload time completely so you just uh queue up your micro missiles and go nuts with them and next up uh, oh of course i was wrong about the assault rifle being equivalent to the chain gun because the next thing we have in the list is the chain gun (laughs) this is basically a massive gatling gun that is found in a secret area mods allow you to spin the barrels up without firing so you can so basically and it starts spinning and uh you know that'll stop the uh the charge up time when you do need it and another option uh, turns the gun into a mobile turret which is pretty cool We've got the plasma rifle. Uh, This is an evolution of the rapid fire plasma rifle we saw in previous games. Uh, Mods here allow for the release of a heat blast or a stun bomb. Uh, Another secret area only weapon is the Gauss Cannon. This uh, fires a very powerful but very focused energy blast. It can be upgraded with uh, zoom and charge capabilities for pinpoint accuracy, or uh, it can be converted into a stationary siege mode which provides some area of effect and penetration benefits while giving up mobility. Next, we've got another Doom mainstay, the Rocket Launcher. Like the Rocket Launcher of your this one fires slow-moving rockets that hit with uh, high splash damage. It can be upgraded for remote rocket detonation or a lock-on capability, which will fire a three rocket burst at a target. So those are all the weapons you can pretty much use with impunity as a... Uh, You know, they all use pretty standard ammo types, bullets, cells, rockets, and all that stuff, which are uh, randomly strewn about and are also dropped by uh, enemies, which you can kill normally or kill in the glorious way. The last two weapons are still iconic, and if you've been paying attention, you probably already know what they are, but uh, ammo for them is a bit more difficult to come by and uh, a bit more limited. The first special weapon is the chainsaw. Now, unlike previous incarnations of the chainsaw, this chainsaw is a one shot kill special weapon almost any enemy you hit with this thing gets chopped up real good Uh, much like the glory kill system killing a demon with the chainsaw nets bonus ammunition this thing is is wicked pretty damn wicked so what's the limitation here it's one shot kill why wouldn't i use this all the time well uh the chainsaw needs fuel and unlike in maniac mansion there is fuel in this game for the chainsaw however It's not amazingly common, and uh, your chainsaw can only hold three fuel charges at one time. And uh, how much fuel is actually needed to kill an enemy is dependent on how challenging that enemy is. An imp or an other kind of trash-level bad guy will take a single fuel charge to kill. A more challenging enemy will use up two, and the toughest non-boss baddies will use up all three in one shot. So they die quick, but uh, you're going to have to refill your chainsaw. Uh, Bosses are immune to it, so don't waste your time. No mods or upgrades for this guy. It's a chainsaw. Does what it does. Does it well. Finally, uh, we've got the biggie, the BFG 9000. And if you're uh, if you like swearing, you know what BFG means. Much like in other incarnations of Doom, the BFG is uh, slow shooting, but pretty devastating. It'll kill almost any enemy with a single shot and will generally take out an entire room of demons by chaining uh, damage from mob to mob. So it'll hit the closest guy, jump to the next guy, jump to the next guy, blah, 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 killing the whole room. It can also only carry three shots at a time and uh, it takes some pretty rare ammunition. On top of weapons, so that's all for weapons, uh, in addition to that, your armor is also upgradable uh, to increase things like environmental resistance, ability effectiveness, health, and uh, all that stuff. Now, enemy-wise, many of our favorite Doom enemies make a reappearance, including Imps, the Revenant, the Mancubus, and the cyber demon. Uh, levels are laid out in pretty standard Doom style, uh, with your ultimate goal involving uh, finding a door, an airlock, an elevator, or a portal, which will progress you to the next level. Uh, levels are pretty lengthy definitely lengthier than in the first two games so uh, a checkpoint system along with quite a few intermediate objectives are are sort of parceled out to you as uh, you progress through Uh, maps have a really great sense of verticality to them and uh, the armor suit you re-enter at the start of the game protects you from all falls except for those which drop you kind of out of the the map geometry so if you kind of fall into an abyss you're gonna die uh, no big deal. You just respawn at your previous checkpoint. Uh, No big deal. Now, levels have, uh, have a good balance of tight and open spaces and you're given a lot of opportunities to explore areas and find all the secrets and little Easter eggs strewn throughout the world. So, you know, sometimes you'll kind of enter this more open area and a whole bunch of doors are going to close and uh, the computer in the facility you're in sort of starts getting mad at you saying that there's too much demon presence and uh, you're going to have to clear out the, uh, the zone before you can move on. So that's kind of where your big, big fights happen. But once you clear out the room, you're, you're free to, to search around, find, uh, you know, any nooks and crannies that might uh, be around any switches that you think you might want to want to switch. And, uh, you can find uh, a whole bunch of stuff. For example, uh, each level has one or more <laughs> small, uh, really cute looking, uh, doom guy figurines. They sort of look like, uh, pop toys. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you can collect those for additional weapon upgrade points, uh, other things in secret areas. Like I said, some, some weapons are only retrievable from secret areas. And the biggest Easter eggs of all that I think uh, are super cool, they have entire levels uh, from the, the DOS Doom games uh, that can be unlocked and run through, complete with old-school textures, low-poly count rooms and walls, and, uh, you know, it looks exactly like, uh, you know, Doom uh, S1, M1 or E1M1, or whatever. And, uh, you know, once you find these levels, you can access them at uh, any time via the game menu if you want to pop back in and just just run them once they've been unlocked. So, with all your weapons, all your mods, all your upgrades, and all of that, uh, you make your way through the Mars installation, over into hell, and back again for a final battle with Pierce and uh, a resolution that seems like it uh, leaves us open for a sequel. Of course, that was all single-player, and since this is Doom, uh, we have to have multiplayer. There's a variety of modes, including Deathmatch and Team Deathmatch, Warpath, which is a slight variation on King of the Hill, and more. Uh, You also have the option to transform in these multiplayer games into one of four demons, uh, the Revenant, the Baron of Hell, the Mancubus, or the Prowler. Uh, the other gameplay option selectable from the main menu is Snap Maps. Uh, snap, na- snap, maps blah, 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 snap Maps, hard to say, uh, is basically a level editor. Although I haven't really tried it myself. Uh, from what I watched of it, the UI seems pretty slick. Uh, you basically select uh, different corridor or room blocks from a toolbox and uh, kind of use them uh, in you know sort of Lego-y style to uh, create a map. They all kind of link together. Uh, along with all the associated uh, functionality, scripted game logic, and everything else you might need to make uh, a cool map. Uh, Maps can then be shared online and uh, voted on by other players. You're listening to the Upper Memory Block Podcast. Time for... Okay, tech focus time. Uh, This part's always interesting to me when I get to review new games because I get to say things like Core i5 and gigahertz and gigabytes. So uh, let's get to it. To run Doom, you need a minimum of uh, an Intel Core i5-2400 or an AMD FX8320 CPU. This is uh, better than our Pentium 4 days. Uh, Memory-wise, we are looking at 8 gigs of RAM, 55 gigs of hard drive space, and at least an NVIDIA GTX 670 or an AMD Radeon 7870 GPU with at least 2 gigs of video RAM to run the game well. It and Bethesda recommend an i7-3770 or an FX-8350 and a GTX 970, so we're only a one generation old, and uh, an R9-290 for an optimal experience. So uh, it's a pretty new game, if you want to run it well, they are recommending a fairly modern system. Though uh, the minimum specs are, uh, you know, seems like any computer built in the last five years should be able to run the game fairly well. Now, let me tell you something about these requirements. I don't know what id did but they found a way to maintain a level of gameplay experience that is pretty consistent across the whole range of, uh, of system requirements here with uh, just a couple of graphics tweaks. I was actually able to test this myself because, you know, like I talked about at the top of the show, in the month since the last episode came out, I built a new gaming rig from the ground up. The first half of my Doom play sessions were on that almost seven-year-old machine and um, No, it was basically running at or just a hair above minimum specs. It's had i7, 860. So this is basically the i7 from that same generation that the i5 2400 is from. Uh, It's got that Western Digital uh, spinning disk, 8 gigs of DDR3, and the 670, which is on the minimum spec for NVIDIA cards. Um, I popped the game on that machine at high settings, surprisingly. And uh, I was actually ranging from like 40 to 50 FPS standing still. And, uh, you know, it dipped to like 20 to 30 in combat at high and uh, at uh, 1080p, that's not epic by any means. But to be honest, with the speed of gameplay, I didn't really notice any moments where the frame rate dipped into what I would consider unplayable territory. And I'm honestly sort of a frame rate horror, so uh, you know you can believe me on that one. Maybe I have a magic computer, but uh, I didn't feel like I was playing it on an old machine. Now, on the new machine, i7 6700K, GTX 1070, uh, Western Digital Black running the game ssd system disk blah 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 at ultra settings i don't know if i believe this thing but it was reporting 200 fps standing still and uh dipped down to about 160 in heavy combat again at 1080p so uh hey if you can get your hands on a 1070 i highly recommend it the funny thing you know between high and ultra and even between low and medium and ultra I didn't notice a ton of actual visual differences. Now, maybe there's a lot of like stuff blowing around and they're doing a lot of tricks and motion blur and stuff to kind of disguise how, you know, if things are, are low, are downscaled or whatever. So, you know, on a machine that barely meets the minimum requirements, at least in my small experience, this game is immensely playable. Uh, the only true difference I noticed was load times. The old rig would take upwards of 20 to 30 seconds to load up the game and then pretty much the same amount of time to load up the levels. Uh, The new rig takes less than five seconds and it'd be even quicker if uh, I installed the game on the SSD that I'm using as a system drive. Aside from that though, like I said, if you've got a desktop that's five years old or less and a graphics card of uh, about the same vintage, uh, you know, 600 series NVIDIA, I don't. I'm so out of date on AMD cards, whatever the equivalent of that is. I think you know what they said on the minimum specs there. Uh, you shouldn't have a major issue playing this game. So, how is this all possible? Well, the ID Tech 6 engine, of course. Uh, we'll get into more detail on this in the dev story, but this is the first game to run on ID's modern ID Tech 6 engine. Uh, This is the latest evolution of the engine family that began all the way back with id Tech 1, or as we might more affectionately call it, the Doom engine. Tech 1 powered the first two Doom games and was created by John Carmack with help of all the other old timey staff, uh, including John Romero and others. Uh, Id Tech 1 led to id tech 2 crazily enough uh that powered quake this one was the first uh, real-time full 3d engine now uh, we'll certainly talk quake soon enough haven't gotten to doing that series as of yet uh id tech 3 uh powered uh, quake 3 arena in 1998 and was used up until 2003 uh, it also powered the first call of duty game id tech 4 is effectively the doom 3 engine and it also ran games like quake 4 prey and quake wars uh id tech 5 launched with rage which we're going to talk about quite a bit and uh it also powered both of the newer wolfenstein games and that brings us to id tech 6 id uh, tech 6 perform- supports cross platform so a uh, very little rework is needed to uh to uh port to doomed- uh, consoles and yeah basically it works on uh pc xbox and playstation i don't think there's any mac support and there's no linux support as far as i know but i might be wrong about that one uh we can get into the weeds on features like ray casting and voxels causing you know lighting effects and and things like that but honestly that sort of makes my brain hurt <laughs> Suffice it to say that id Tech 6 is a big step forward from the previous generation, especially with regard to uh, real-time depth of field. So that's kind of like blurring things as they get closer and farther away. And uh, support for the Vulkan graphics API uh, in addition to OpenGL. Uh, let me, let's talk about this because this Vulkan stuff was all in the news when the when Doom released with this. this uh, the Vulkan API support actually came out in the first major patch. Uh, So while this isn't officially true, the Vulkan Graphics API uh, is effectively an updated version of uh, the existing OpenGL standard that's been around forever. So basically, if your game these days does not run on DirectX and it's 3D, it probably runs on OpenGL. Uh, It's been around forever. I did uh, a 3D graphics course back in university in 2003-ish where we we hand-coded... OpenGL objects. It was fun, but also awful. <laughs> uh, so you know, Vulkan over OpenGL promises better cross-platform 3D performance, uh, support for 3D on mobile devices, reduced CPU load, and actual—this is important—actual proper performance scaling on multi-core CPUs. You see, both OpenGL and DirectX were created back in the day of of single-core processors, and they were never really rebuilt to take full advantage of multi-core systems. They were built to work on one, then we went to dual-core, oh yeah, you know, we can kind of patch it to work on dual-core. Quad-core, getting a little more complicated. Now we're getting up to like, you know, six-core, eight-core CPUs, or, you know, four-core, eight-thread CPUs, six-core, 12-thread, hyper-threaded CPUs. They were just not designed in a time where this made sense, so, and they were just sort of like crappily patched to leverage how they could, you know, what what they could for multi-core, given the existing architecture, so you know th- this is this is a good a good situation. So you know, depending on your setup, some people are seeing up to sixty-six percent performance gains when switching from uh, OpenGL to Vulkan. Uh, this is especially noticeable on uh, on AMD Radeon cards. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, I flipped it over on the 1070. I got like you know ten more frames. So hey, I'm happy. Uh, the game's music we won't talk about this for long because uh, stole a lot to say but uh, the game's music is composed by Australian composer Mick Gordon who based his compositions on basically a modernization of the uh, original iconic Bobby Prince soundtrack. It's super metal, super rockin super hardcore uh, you know you're hearing it now and uh, I must say it's damn good. listening to the Upper Memory Block Podcast. Time for Okay, enough nerd talk. Let's get to the dev story, because, you know, clearly that is not nerd talk. Uh, this iteration of Doom actually has a fairly colorful backstory. Uh, we know a lot of the players here, including id super programmer, John Carmack. So, it's 2007, and we are at id's yearly fan conference, QuakeCon. Carmack, who was uh, still lead developer at id, or uh, of id, at id, <laughs> he was the lead developer at the time. And uh, at the con, he let it slip, maybe, that uh, production was underway on what he was calling Doom 4. Now, whether this slip of the tongue was planned or not, Todd Hollinshead, id longtime CEO, jumped in and said, Oh, yes, yes, we are working on a new installment of Doom. Uh, it was going to be a return to Earth inspired by the events and gameplay style of their biggest hit, Doom 2, Hell on Earth. Uh, the two men promised the fans a return to the run-and-gun action gameplay of the first two games. Uh, you know, while I feel like uh, Doom 3 is a good game in its own right, uh, the slower, jump-scare-laden, horror-style gameplay didn't really jive with a lot of classic Doom fans. I enjoy it, but it's a very different game than, uh, than the previous ones. So, Doom 4 was going to be an attempt to get back to the roots of what made the series a powerhouse. Uh, some time passed with Doom 4 in, in various stages of early development. And, uh, you know, in that interim time, they were also working on uh, on Rage. And, you know, Rage was running into some issues and... Uh, id got sold or bought or you know a deal was struck to sell id to zenimax and uh, zenimax are the guys that you know Beth that owned bethesda they did fallout 3 so meh you know uh carmack and his insane programming skills came along with the acquisition uh as did the fledgling doom 4 project along with the concurrently running uh, rage project now the zenimax deal worked out uh allowing id to release rage which again had had been delayed so with rage out the door we're good right Doom 4 had been leaked since 2007, officially announced since 2008. But uh, aside from those announcements, the public doesn't really have a lot of information. Aside from you know some vague promises, news that uh, a British author named Graham Joyce was brought on to write the script in 2009, and uh, in 2012 some screenshots leaked, showing us a decent-looking game which ran on id Tech 5, so the same engine that uh, came out with Rage. But honestly, it looked a lot more like a Fallout game with demons than a Doom game, which, uh, you know, given that they were bought by ZeniMax and they had recently done Fallout 3 and were probably currently working on New Vegas, it was a little bit weird. So, an April 2013 Kotaku sort of uh, expose article seems to have shed some light on what transpires from, from 2008 up into 2013 no game. That's the first thing. Uh, It turns out that the original vision for Doom 4 was a little bit like a Fallout game. So, you know, you're not a supermarine. You're not on Mars. You're just a regular guy who's basically slowly roped into uh, working with a resistance group, which lives in a ravaged city. Might have been DC. Might not have been. Maybe those screenshots were using Fallout 3, uh, Capital Wasteland, the resources or something. But uh, basically, this ravaged city is uh, exists on an earth which has been overrun by demons pouring in from hell and you're sort of like the resistance fighting off these demons um this original iteration of doom 4 was still a very cinematic experience very call of duty-ish events were very scripted a lot of very cool kind of event-based ideas a lot of cool concepts but uh you know some sources inside of or close to the matter. Uh, said that these cool parts of the game were separated by long, pointless, uninteresting combat, which sort of sucks. So, apparently, around the time of Rage's release in 2011, ZeniMax management really turned their eyes to this long-running Doom project. So, Rage and Doom had sort of been running concurrently. Uh, Rage was going to be the first game released, so they focused on that. That was going to be the launch game for the ID Tech 5 engine. Doom 4 was going to come out after that, also on ID Tech 5. So focus on Rage, and then management kind of went down, and, and Rage came out. Let's see what's going on with Doom. As soon as they took a good look, it was pretty clear that a lot of changes were needed to make uh, Doom anything worthwhile. So the Doom 4 project went through a major reboot after being in development for, let's see, 07, 08, 09, 10, five years, four or five years at this point, major reboot. Uh, reports were that mismanagement of the project over the years had created a, a, a poor environment for the team to innovate. People were unhappy. People were leaving. Uh, you know, As much as it seems like an awful idea to scrap and reboot a project after so long, uh, this did allow the team to get re-energized, and it allowed them to take the space and you know get in the headspace needed to to start coming up with new and interesting ideas. Now, while all this reorg was going on, this hey meh, Doom Four is not in a good place. Let's let's reset. Let's figure out what we're doing. Uh, the Rage team, who had successfully released a game, good job for them, uh, was already starting work on Rage Two. However, uh, Rage sold fairly poorly. Pretty mediocre sales on on Rage, so uh, Rage 2 was canceled. Uh, ZeniMax management guys kind of looked at at the id group, and they said, you know, you guys don't have a lot of luck running uh, concurrent projects, so you know what we're going to do? We are going to take most of the Rage 2 developers, merge them with the Doom 4 developers, a couple of guys are going to do some Rage DLC, then they'll come on the project, but uh, you guys are going to have one singular focus, the new rebooted Doom 4. So I know we all have jobs and whether you're a programmer or not a programmer or you you work in any kind of corporate environment, if you've ever been on sort of a big newly merged team like this or you've ever been part of a corporate takeover or an acquisition you know, there can be some growing pains. Uh, You know, managers fought for territory on the new expanded project. You know, the the Rage team and the Doom team didn't really get along. And frankly, the the great idea that management had to to merge everyone didn't seem to be helping much. In addition to all of this, by this time, you know, kind of 2011, 2012 john carmack had become very interested in the budding world of virtual reality so he actually went and petitioned his ZeniMax masters to make vr research and development uh you know his 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 main focus Like, this is what i want to do this is the future we're gonna make a lot of money let me do it this is where things get murky lawyers start to get involved carmack says apparently that uh upper management absolutely forbade him from spending any company time working on VR. Uh, ZeniMax, of course, denies that they ever said that. At this point, ZeniMax purportedly issues an ultimatum to the id team. Make something happen with Doom, or there's going to be problems. Now, maybe as a result of this, maybe not, maybe it's the straw that broke the camel's back, blah, blah, blah. Carmack decides to leave id. You know, this is the company he founded the thing that made him the man that he is, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so he leaves to join a small but interesting startup known as Oculus VR. Uh, you know, It was all over the gaming news back in 2013. God knows I was shocked when I heard about it. I probably even mentioned it on the show back then. ZeniMax started taking legal action against Carmack that claim he stole trade secrets from them, blah, 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 blah. It was a big deal. The lawsuit lost a lot of steam when oculus was purchased by facebook because hey facebook has more money than ZeniMax, so uh that sort of seems to have gone away anyways carmack's gone well his work on id tech 5 was still there uh, you know his leaving in addition to a a fairly steady exodus of talent from id uh, resulted in the game effectively going through yet another reboot because basically the brain trust that had the, the skill and the technical ability and the creativity to, to make kind of this this really great, impressive next-gen game had been severely depleted. And, uh, you know, on top of that, everyone's morale, you know, all these great guys keep leaving the team. What are we doing? Yeah, we got a new idea. We don't have anyone to do it. So, you know, aside from all these personnel issues, the Doom design team, as of, the, you know, the the reboot, also had some gameplay, design, and marketing challenges to worry about as well. Uh, the last Doom game had come out back in 2004, They felt that coming up on 10 years later, they couldn't really bank on the franchise's reputation to draw in new gamers. Uh, You know, They'd been trying to make a modern shooter, Call of Duty or Battlefield style. However, they finally decided that they needed to go in uh, in a different direction. Marty Stratton, uh, the new executive producer on the project, announced that their new Doom game would no longer be called Doom 4, but simply Doom. This would be a new origin story for our favorite space marine, and uh you know on top of that uh id tech 5 had come out in 2011. Uh it was it was starting to uh, to age a little bit. So the game would launch with a new engine, id tech 6. And now what are we going to do? I mean Carmack is the dude that that did all of the engine work or you know he led the engine work. So who's going to run this? Well, uh they grabbed Diego Souza Souza not sure, Tiago Souza? Yeah, let's say that. Uh, he was formerly head graphics engineer at Crytek. They they stole him away from Crytek. Guy, Crytek was going through some issues at the time as well and uh, brought him on to lead the id Tech 6 engine development at id. So this was great, uh, but th- they, they did have to tread carefully. They were trying to make a game in the vein of Doom that was faithful to what made Doom a great game, but they also needed it to appeal to modern gamers. To do this, they sort of went back to basics, back to the way things had been. Uh, They decided to design the game with almost no emphasis on the story. Uh, Their game would be inspired by rock and roll and He-Man with a metal score and an over-the-top environment. And, uh, you know, it was also in this final design and development cycle that the gameplay morphed from, you know, the more traditional cinematic, slow-paced, cover-based, uh... You know, combat to the frenetic experience we see in the release game. Pushing forward the concept of glory kills and movement as the main pillar of gameplay were all introduced, fundamentally changing the pacing of the game's action. Uh, the multiplayer and the level editor portions of the game were farmed out to subcontractors to get something done in a timely manner. And on May 13th, 2016, not that long ago, Doom released worldwide two very positive reviews. Uh, as you may expect, Reviewers were suitably impressed with the intense pacing of the game. I mean I'm impressed on I'm talking fast this whole episode because even talking about this game makes me kind of worked up. Uh, the variety of weapons were, were, was really great. The unique systems brought into play were, were very impressive. All in all, the single player experience captured the essence of doom and, and made for a really great experience according to reviewers. Uh, The Snap Map Metal... Snap Map Level Editor... You try saying that. (laughs) Was also praised for making level design more approachable. For those who don't have a lot of experience in in the modding or or map making scene. Uh, Multiplayer reviews? A bit more mixed. Some reviewers mentioned Netcode didn't handle latency very well. And, God, this is a a cardinal sin of Twitch shooters. You know, others said that the multiplayer mode seemed rushed and tacked on, and if we think about it, I don't have details on it, but they farmed it out to a sub. Kind of seems like maybe it was. This is doubly unfortunate for a Doom game, because this is the series that invented the multiplayer FPS. This is the game that invented the word deathmatch. Uh, Despite that issue, though, Doom went on to uh, to top sales in its first week. Uh, It was only outpaced by Uncharted 4, which uh, is, you know, I don't think you can argue that Uncharted 4 is... uh, A more mainstream, more anticipated game on consoles, more approachable, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, it outsold it. Who cares? We're not trying to top it. We're just trying to make a good game. You are listening to the Upper Memory Podcast. So, where can we get Doom? Well, it is on, it's available on Steam for, uh, I got- I really gotta change my Steam. It's available for $79.99 Canadian. I assume that means 60-ish US. Uh so you know, this is a triple-A full-priced game. Uh, you know, though in the recent Steam summer sale, I ended up grabbing it at 50% off. A demo was also released. I'm pretty sure it was at this year's E3. Uh, it was only actually supposed to be available for the duration of the conference. However, uh, the decision was actually made to leave it online for what seems like permanently. Uh, You can grab that on Steam for free. It helped me since uh, I wasn't sure my old machine was going to be able to run it and I didn't want to go through the trouble of doing a return if it didn't and blah, blah, blah. So I downloaded the demo, installed it. Everything ran great. So, hey, good to go. Say whatever is in your mind freely. Our conversation will be kept in strict confidence. Okay. Okay. Time for some emails. Uh, first email, I guess it's a, a Facebook comment from Hunter, who's a co-host over on Space Game Junkie. Hey, Hunter. Uh, Hunter writes, This should be a clue to devs about how to do a proper single-player game. Just saying, don't use the same formula, but people are loving the single-player. Why? Because it keeps true to itself as an IP and puts enough little Easter eggs in there for fun. I uh, wish we had more solid single-player games like this. And uh, thank you, Hunter. And and honestly, I have to fully agree uh you know a lot of games these days games like you know a lot of these shooters like Destiny and like Halo and and all these things they're they're, they're very good multiplayer experiences but you know sometimes I just want to sit down and play a game by myself and not have to depend on other people and not have to depend on an internet connection and not have to worry that there won't be anyone online and whatever so you know having this this really great frenetic replayable single player game is is just friggin' awesome all right thank you hunter next we have an email from my buddy brian hey brian thanks again for uh for talking about warcraft with me and thanks for the uh (laughs) brian actually uh lent me a uh a placeholder video card he had an old uh, gtx 480 that he gave me that i could put in my old machine before i got the 1070 so thank you for that uh, and Brian writes, Hello, Joe, and fellow blockers. Uh, the first time I saw the original Doom, I was so astonished it basically rewrote my DNA. Doom 2 remains my favorite game of all time due to its difficulty and frenetic pace, and I replay Doom 3 every year and enjoy it a little more every single time. These were all games made by id Software with engines created by John Carmack, thus, my skepticism of this latest sequel. Before I continue, I'm tired of calling this thing The New Doom. Sounds like a soft drink. I'm just going to correct id's mistake by calling it Doom 4. I was pleasantly surprised by Doom 4. Although it gets off on the wrong foot by giving you a pistol with a charge-up alt-fire that sets a methodical sniper pace, it quickly showers you in guns and different types of enemies. Before long, it felt like Doom Classic, which also sounds like a soft drink. Why don't I call it Doom 1? where encounters were essentially puzzles where enemies are prioritized and taken out with ideal weapons. This is further encouraged by giving the player lots of guns, but relatively little ammunition per gun. Of course, many games do this, but what ties it all together and makes it feel doomy is the player's traversal of the environment. You can outrun and outmaneuver any enemy with superior speed on foot. And as blasphemous as it sounds, jumping, double jumping, and even vaulting yourself up ledges are all enjoyable combat techniques. However, I feel jumping is misused outside of combat. There's lots of objects and waypoints hidden out of the way, which take a lot of time to discover. In my mind, this splits Doom 4 into two games, combat and platforming. I'm also not a fan of the player upgrade system. You upgrade your guns, armor, health, and abilities by finding hidden objects and completing bonus objectives. Again, it makes the game feel more methodical, which only serves to detach you from the carnage. And what's with all the melee? It's reminiscent of the later Call of Duty games and their infamous overpowered knife kills. It feels odd finishing off a huge enemy that's already absorbed several RPG rounds. In my opinion, Doom's core is short to medium range combat with rare opportunities for melee. There's pluses and minuses, but overall it's a good game. It's got those glimmers of frantic abandon where you're completely engrossed in the moment, (laughs) running for your life, talking to your monitor, ducking away from teeth and kiting enemies into each other's projectiles that establishes Doom 4 as Doom. Not THE Doom, but A Doom. It doesn't succeed with every endeavor, but where it does, it excels. Still, it has big shoes to fill, and Doom 4 remains my least favorite of all the Doom games, which is like being your least favorite scoop of ice cream. And in closing, the art and music are awesome. My favorite Doom 4 monster is the Keiko Demon. They're so magnificent and fearsome. Chain guns and bloodstains. Brian. Well, thank you, Brian. And, uh, yeah, you know, I was playing a little bit last night after I finished prepping the show, and, uh, you know, I I was at the point where I was kind of looking around and trying to figure out where to go, and, uh... You know you're right the the exploration kind of parts of the game do sometimes go a little sideways and you're not quite sure where to go and you do have to do a lot of jumping and and looking for the little green lights that are on a ledge for you to find but uh I don't really uh (laughs) say too much about it because I, I generally tend to have a very poor time finding my way around mazes I'm just not good at that kind of thing so uh yeah thank you very 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 much next we've got a voicemail from Tomer so take it away sir Hello, Joe and fellow blockers. So I just finished playing Doom and the verdict is in. It looks, plays, and sounds gloriously. Uh, As an old-time Doom fan, I can't recommend it enough. It just freaking works. Took me some getting used to, but once I did, like half an hour in, it just sunk its teeth in me and never let go. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Play it. Bye. Thank you, Tomer. Very concise. You're like the (laughs) anti-trolls. I'm sorry, trolls. I'm not bugging yet. I love you, buddy. But uh yeah, you know, I, I can't help but agree. But uh, anyways, let's uh let's get to my verdict. You are listening to the Upper Podcast. So, does this new iteration of Doom hold up to what has come before? Absolutely. I mean, to me, this game totally captures the essence of what made us fall in love with the game back in '93. Uh, the speed of the action, the pure unadulterated mayhem that you can unleash on a horde of demons, the amazing graphics, the kick-ass music, the variety and the utility of all the different weapons. Holy crap, guys. I'm not saying this is my game of the year, but it's definitely up there and I will definitely replay it and remember playing it for years to come. Despite the almost 10-year development cycle on this thing, they pulled it off. Even the fact that it runs acceptably on older machines is an amazingly impressive feat of engineering to me. Not to mention the fact that it still looks great even on those lower end machines like the one sitting right on the other side of the room from me. Now, it's not all perfect. Like Brian said, sometimes you get a little lost. You know, I, that honestly, that happened to me in Doom 2 as well. Uh, the multiplayer is a bit lacking, at least reportedly I haven't tried it myself, but um, Well, I dabbled a bit in Doom 2 modem play. Multiplayer Doom has never been my thing. Doom has always been a single-player game for me. So, you know, if you want to recreate the days of dialing into Dwango and fragging your friends, may not be the game for you, but damn if the single-player gameplay isn't freaking awesome. High, high recommendation for me on this one, folks. Give the new Doom a go. I believe there's a sale going on on Green Man Gaming right now. I think it might be half price- might be wrong about that. Go check it out. But if you can get it cheap, buy it. Buy it right now. But one way or the other, I do recommend you try this game. Yo, blockers. This is Ami and you're listening to the Upper Memory Block Podcast with Joe Mastriani. Keep being awesome, and remember, watch out, a poisonous snake. Okay, so that is that for another show. Uh, I hope to God... For the next few months, I won't leave so much of a gap between episodes. I do strongly apologize for that, and uh, I'm going to organize myself a little bit better. Next time, we're going to do something I don't think I've actually ever covered before. We're going to do a shoot 'em up And uh I think I'm going to do the shoot 'em up that's been sitting in my GOG library the longest. Tyrion, Tyrion 2000. I guess we'll figure out. Maybe I'll do both of them. Maybe I'll just do Tyrion 2000. Anyways, Tyrion. Uh, if you have memories about Tyrion... Send me email or audio comments to podcast at If you've played Doom, drop me a line there too. If you saw Warcraft, if you played Dot, anything you want to talk about, if you want to drop me a line on, uh, on, a, sh- on a previous show, I love email. As you all know, podcast at UMBCast.com. Thanks to Rick Moyer for his great audio work. You can find him over at MoyerMultimedia.com. And don't forget, if you enjoy the show, you can become my boss. Such as it is, over at Patreon.com/umbcast. If you find some value from the show, please consider joining my 51 current patrons. 51 of you are, are generous enough to, to to part with your money to give it to me, so I can do this thing. Uh, so please join them. Donating a buck or per show helps me with costs, helps me buy games, helps me give stuff away, and helps me hit the next goal of more long games. Want me to play a big long RPG? Want me to play a huge game series? Just I think nine more bucks an episode, and uh, and and that'll be a thing that I'm gonna do. So check out the show notes for this episode and all the others at umbcast.com. Facebook group is over at facebook.com groups slash umbcast. Follow the show on Twitter, twitter.com slash umbshow. Me personally at twitter.com billybob476. Find me on YouTube. I'm going to put some Tyrion stuff up there for sure. No, I haven't posted there in a while. But if you want to check that out, youtube.com umbcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes. Stream us live at Stitcher. That's that. And we will see you next time for Tyrion here in the upper memory block battle control terminated you've been listening to the upper memory block podcast with joe mastriani for more information on the podcast visit umbcast.com that's umbcast.com Write to Joe today at podcast at umbcast.com. That's podcast at umbcast.com. So what shall it be? Do you join the unity or do you die here? Join.